offense. We're coming to an end. Some of you are probably going, yeah, I'm glad to be done with this. It could be that if you're done, about done with it, it could be that God's been knocking on your heart for something to deal with. Either way, we're about done. I do know that he has revealed things to us as individuals, as individuals then to us as a church. That's what he does. I'm going to recap real quick, and then I'm going to go into the message this morning, which is the rock of offense. Anybody know who that is? Jesus. He is the rock of offense. You stand with Jesus very long, and uh, you stand the chance of getting offended. As a matter of fact, before I leave here today, before I quit speaking today, you may have the opportunity to get offended at anything I say. If it's Bible, then I don't apologize. If it's not Bible, I ask that you come and sit and talk with me so we can work it out as the Bible teaches us to reason. And therefore, we don't walk away with a fence sitting in our laps when we leave this place. I'm going to recap real quick what we've covered over the last five or six weeks. It is impossible that offenses should come. There will be plenty of opportunities every single day for you to be offended. Right? Somebody ain't going to do something right. Somebody is going to do something right. Always, always that offense happens. Now, you don't get offended with your dog. You don't get offended with horses. You don't get offended with cars. You get irritated at them sometimes, but you can't be offended at them because they can't talk back. But our offense happens with brothers and sisters sitting within the body. We want to see Jesus someday, right, and see the look upon his face. Well, then he, we did a song before talking about holding his hand. Let me tell you something, friends. If we don't hold his hand, there might be a problem sitting with us. That's why he's brought this series to us. It's been for me first, then for you. I'll give it out as he gives to me. Um, we did this with a, a study last year on Wednesday nights. We brought it in on Sunday mornings this year. And I'm going to tell you now, I'll be straight up with you. Pray for me. As a matter of fact, over the next several months, I ask that you pray for me. Because when you get into the devil's living room, expect a fight. Let me say that again. When you get into the devil's living room, when the peace of the truth comes out of the word of God, gets inside of our hearts, expect a fight. Now we do know that uh, these fights come and they're supposed to come. But I'll be honest with you, I did what the Lord has asked me to do and I'm ready to be done with it because I'm... Tired of the beating. And I'm just being opening my heart up to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Some things you can help, some things you can't help, but a beating is a beating no matter what. And so, what we do with the offense will determine our future. You can walk around the rest of your life bitter and angry, or you can walk around the rest of your life free. I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to give you some scripture to help you here in just a second. The difference is hell and eternal life. I don't go to these stores. I don't do this. I ain't killed nobody. I don't lie. Whatever. But this is the one that Satan uses because it is the one that is hardest to detect. It's the hardest one to overcome. And that's why he uses it. I believe that there will be people who have been very faithful in the church, at one point gave their hearts to Jesus, 
that will not see him on that day simply because they could not overcome offense. You remember in Matthew chapter 6, whenever we had the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You remember that? In one place there it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, just in case we have a problem with interpretation, the Lord goes on and he clarifies for us in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What happens if we have unrepented and unforgiven sin? There is no more sacrifice, right? Christ went to the cross to pay for it. Therefore, we have to receive what he's given us. We have to have him as our Lord. And if God is not going to forgive you of trespasses, what does that tell us? Juanita's going to heaven, I believe, someday, and there's not going to be any trouble there. That means the troublemakers ain't going to make it. That's how I see it. You can have your own interpretation of it if you want. But I see it as pretty plain. Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you if you can't forgive. Plain and simple. Drive a stake in it. You remember I showed you when we started out the trap and it has a chain on it. You'll get trapped. You'll know Bible scriptures. You'll do Bible type stuff. You'll work in the church hard and labor hard. But you'll never be effective simply because you're stuck in the trap. And he gives us the one way, the only way to get out of the trap. And that is something that how do we get offended? Eventually, there's going to have to be some forgiveness coming. If it doesn't come, freely you've received, freely you forgive, right? So if you've received freely from Jesus forgiveness, then it's pretty easy to give it because it wasn't yours to start with, right? You know, if Eddie gives me a $100 bill and, uh, and I wasn't expecting it, it shows up, and then the Lord says, well, go give it to Willie. I don't have a problem doing that. But if I slaved all week long to get that, now it's mine. And see, that's not the mindset we're supposed to have. We are to follow the leading of the Spirit. So we're recapping here this morning. Offended people usually flock to each other and help one another build those walls of protection for the offense. They want to keep that offense alive and well. They join in each other's pity parties. We call them cliques, maybe. And they usually seek someone as an authority figure, and I'm putting asterisks on that because not everybody that seems to be an authority figure is. They will seek an authority figure to help them strengthen or justify their belief. Thus the trap gets even tighter. We've learned that these situations come to us allowed by God to reveal our true condition. That's why they're in our lives. That's why he allowed it to happen. Remember, we talk, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. It'll come together better. Trials and tests in life expose what is in our hearts, whether the offense is toward God or toward other people. Many people leave because they've tried Christianity and God didn't do anything for them. The power of sin is in the law. We learned that. Until you know that it's sin... You don't know, but once you know, now there's a responsibility. We have to do something with it, right? 
So God reveals things to us. So now that's where the power of sin lies is in the law. So when God shows us something, reveals it to us, then he's saying, now hold my hand. Jesus, hold my hand. Now that makes us happy, don't it? You better get happy whenever you're walking through the valley. And he's showing you something and saying, you've got to hold my hand because this is the only way you're going to get through it. So we have to hold his hand. Have to hang on to him. How do we do that? It's right here. Can't change it. Can't bend it. Can't pick and choose. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. By the way, if you've got a problem with the Bible contradicting itself, call on Jesus because it does not. He is not the author of confusion. The devil is. Who hates you? The devil. The guy across the aisle, he might hate you too, but he can't do anything to you like what the devil can. Okay? And by the way, if you, if you hate your brother in your heart, he said you've already committed murder. One of the Ten Commandments. So, we see a lot of folks that they'll come to Jesus and they have this thing that they need or that they want and they get real religious, right? They show up, they're always calling upon the Lord and they're, they're all gung-ho for Jesus and six months later when God didn't work it out how they wanted or in the time frame that he wanted, then you never see them again. I didn't get my way. Now what does that sound like? The spoiled brat somebody just said. But we trust Jesus and follow Jesus because we love him, not what he can do for us. He's already done for us. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen? We don't need anything else. We have been forgiven of everything we've ever done and everything that we're going to do if we confess to him, if we will do our best to repent. We try, we turn around, and by the way, if the Holy Ghost is in you, you'll be able to get it done. It might take a lifetime. It may take some times because some things really get ground in. But he loves us and he gives us time for us to work it out. But it can only be done his way. Anything else, we talked on Wednesday night about Elijah. You know, I just, just ain't in my notes. But Elijah, you remember that, Brother Willie? Elijah came and he went against the, Baal, the gods of Baal. And all these people get out there cutting themselves. They're calling upon Baal to bring down fire. He can't. Elijah has all this water poured into the trench, onto the wood, calls on God. God sends fire. It burns up the wood. It burns up the water. It takes care of all of it. Why? Because he's God and Baal ain't. And when we come up with a God in our heads that might seem like he's a little bit Jesus because we take pieces of the book and leave other pieces out, we have created a God in our own image. One who, when we pray to him, cannot do anything because he ain't real. He has a form of godliness, but he don't have any power. So we have to make sure what the book says is what we put together, and we've had to put it in our lives. And as believers, we draw together to help one another along as best we can. Amen? That's what has to happen. So don't serve him for the wrong reasons, not for what he can do. He's already done it. Once our true condition has been revealed to us, the choice is ours to be obedient and forgive or be disobedient and be defiled with bitterness and unforgiveness. 
We have a choice, right? It's easy for us to talk to our kids or to anybody else whenever we're talking about alcoholism or you name it, put anything you want to on it. Well, you got a choice. Brothers and sisters, when a fence lands in your lap, God's done showed us, you got a choice. Are you going to let him work or are you not? And so that's what we have to do. We have to let him do the work. Otherwise, we sit in a place of unforgiveness with bitterness. Once the Lord... Oh, no, let me back up here. I want to talk about uh, Peter and Judas. We talked about them the other week. You remember he had two guys, two guys that actually followed him, two guys that actually did ministry work, two guys that actually were leading people to Christ, two guys that were actually healing people, two guys that were doing all this work because he did send out the 12 and not the 11. Judas was a part of that. Peter, remember, he had revealed in his heart who Jesus was. It was revealed in his heart way before that because he walked on water. It was by that revelation of who Jesus was and the power that he was is how he was able to get out of the boat. Judas, on the other hand, didn't know who he was. Otherwise, Judas would have set him up. Jesus would have still went to the cross, but instead of Judas going and hanging himself, he would have known who Jesus was and he'd have went to him and got forgiveness. Right? I think that's what the Bible teaches. He, he sold him out first. Then he tried to undo it rather than going to Jesus to undo it. He tried to undo it himself and it didn't work because he didn't know who Jesus was. Walked with him for three and a half years, didn't have a clue who he was. Didn't have it right here. He could speak words. He actually did ministry work. He thought he was in good shape. Judas was not. We know that Peter went on, got redemption, moved on and became such a powerful man of God that Man, if him and Paul was walking today, I would imagine churches would be even more empty than they are now because they dealt with stuff right now. They dealt with stuff with truth right now. And that's what we should be doing. I'll raise my hand first. But by the grace of God, there goes Ken. You remember when Jesus was going to be sifted? Uh, Peter was going to be sifted. Jesus told him, he, he didn't pray that the, that the trial would pass. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. You know why? Because he needed to go through the trial so that he become to the man that God needed him to be to do the work that he needed him to do. These are the things we've already learned. I'm not giving you scriptures for it. You should have been taking notes. He needed that shaking and that sifting to grow. And once the Lord reveals something to us, it has to be dealt with. This leads us back to what offended people do. They go and they start finding people to sit in their corner with them and they sit there and they keep this thing festered up. And as a believer, I'm going to give you a warning this morning. Do not walk in other people's troubles. If you can give them truth, they get it. Great, you've gained a brother. If you can give them truth and they don't, you haven't gained your brother. You can still pray. You can still try if they'll let you. But you do not compromise the truth for them be careful from whom and where you receive guidance remember I did the authority thing for you not everything that it says it is is unrepented sin leads to death unforgiveness which is rooted in offense will lead to death it's my last message this is a thanksgiving message by the way should we not be thankful God has given us something to ponder over the next three days before we sit around our tables with our families. Because he loves us.
The devil hates you, wants you to get mad, run out, don't speak to Ken anymore. That's okay. But now you're offended. And until you deal with that, you go nowhere. And if he gives you the next 40 years to get it right, you better get it right. Because if you don't, I'm of the belief, if you don't forgive, then neither will your heavenly father forgive. That's what the Bible says. It's too dangerous and there's too much at stake. So, Jesus did not compromise truth in order to keep people from being offended. We're going to go to our first scripture this morning in the Rock of Offense, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient in the word to which they were also appointed. I'm going to go one more scripture here. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see those words, believe and then disobedient, they play together, look them up. To say that believe could be obedience and to say that disobedience could be unbelief. Look them up, they go hand in hand. It's more than just saying a sinner's prayer. Yes, John 3.16 tells us that if we believe on him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, in this world today, there's a lot of things we believe, but there's not a lot of things that we know that we have that obedience to. See, we take that out of the word and we say, well, I believe in Jesus, but yet we don't like to apply the word to our lives. Amen? It happens. And so let's say, well, he who obeys will have eternal life. The book. We got to do the book. What the book says. Jesus had a lot of offenses that he did, by the way. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. You see that? He's destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, but the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's what this whole message is about, is when stuff comes our way, God's revealing what he already knows is inside of our hearts. And yes, he will be an offense. Yes, he was killed. The very one that was given to bring peace to the world ended up being bringing a sword of division to the ones to whom he sent. And life to those who were victimized, victimized by the ministers of that day. I'm going to give you a good example this morning. Brother Willie and Brother, Brother Danny, y'all just stay where you at. Now 
you can get offended at Brother Danny if you don't even barely just know who he is. You may just now learn his name. I don't know. You never shake hands with him. You never have nothing to do with him. And you can get offended at him real easy. And we understand that one in our brains. But which fence is the worst? Those that are closest to you. So now we've got Brother Willie and we've got Brother Danny now that are offended with one another. It would be wrong for you as a believer. It would be wrong for me as a pastor. It would be wrong for me and him to have a conversation. Oh, yes, I, you know, the Bible says, and just start quoting scriptures for him. And he's wrong. He's a bad guy. He never should have done that. And three minutes later, be on the other side of the church. I know. I've heard it all. I get it. I see it. What would Jesus do? Jesus sees an opportunity to minister. He will minister. I'm just I'm showing you here in the Bible. He did not compromise truth so that you would not be offended. Now you tell me who is the victim here. And you tell me who the authority is. Certainly ain't the pastor if I'm the pastor doing that kind of stuff, now is it? I would say I'd be working for the devil at that point. And I can quote scriptures for you frontwards and backwards in three different languages and four translations. But it doesn't mean anything until it gets right here. And when it gets right here, this is the moment for these two people to bury the hatchet, move on, and grow in Jesus. Or I can solidify them and let them go to hell because they ha I tell them it's okay for you to not like your granddaddy. I cannot do that. Not according to what the Bible says. Amen. We need to get excited about that. That's the stuff we can be thankful for. That's the stuff we can be thankful for because he loves us enough to drag us to the place that we may not want to go. It's easy if you don't know Danny to be offended at him and then forget about it. You still got the offense sitting in your heart. It's a whole other thing when it's a grandpa and a grandson or a son and a dad or cousins or whoever. We have to be able to do what God has given us to do to work through this. Jesus offended many while he ministered. By the way, what example I gave you, I've actually seen it happen. It makes me sick to my stomach. Makes me sick to my stomach. Matthew chapter 23. Well, you don't have to go to these George and Ken and whoever's doing it this morning. These are just quick examples of offenses that Jesus did. He called the Pharisees serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? He got down and talked right straight with them. In John 2 through 13 through 22, that's when he went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, right? That's what he was given to them. In Luke 9 and 60, Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, wouldn't that offend you? I've got to go to my daddy's funeral. No, you go and preach the word of God. I know this ain't popular, it don't get you excited. We should be excited. You see, when the flesh is holding on, it's when we don't like the truth. When the spirit is moving, that's when the truth wells up and bubbles up inside of us and we get excited about it. Amen? That's when we get excited. Because that truth testifies with us back and forth. It, it, it's a, it, it lets us know. It's a witness for us. 
Jesus confronted the offended leaders, the Pharisees. And because they were offended, they sent him to the cross. They hated the man. They hated the man. Because he messed up the world for them. In Matthew 15 and 7, he says, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. If we have any idea or any commandment that sets in front of us that may come from our or what our church says or anything like that, and it does not line up with what the Bible says, then it's no good. we got to kick it out. We can't have it inside of our hearts. It can't be there. Doctrines of men. How is a good way for you to get offended? How is a good way for you to get offended? Think about it. Because some psychologist tells you it's okay. Because society tells us it's okay. Go to verse 8. Uh, the statement that Jesus made to these people offended them. Look exactly what Jesus' disciples said to him right immediately after he said that in verse 12. Then his disciples came to, and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? What do you think? He gave them truth to help them. They chose whether to let it work in their lives or to be offended. Look at what Jesus said, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my Father has not planted will be uprooted. Folks, this gets tight on us. Verse 14. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind and if the blind leads the blind both will fall in a ditch stay away from the pity parties unless you're going to reveal truth you may lose some friends over it you may lose some family over it but that's what Jesus did right Jesus showed that offenses will actually purge those who are not truly planted by his Father. Some people may join churches or ministry teams, but have not been sent by God or are not of God. There's a place on in the New Testament that says those that are not with us were never of us. They went to towns ministering. Hey, we're such a... We're Oh, they never were of us, really, because they walked away. The offense that comes when truth is preached reveals their true motives and causes them to uproot themselves. Pastors grieve over people who have left, whether from the staff or from the congregation. In most instances, those people were upset because truth was preached or truth was taught or truth came up in a counseling session. And the only thing it did, and what the truth will do, it will confront a lifestyle. That's what it will do. Then they become critical of every aspect of the church and they leave and they'll find pity parties and all those that would join in the session with them 
don't get involved in that. You don't want to be responsible and have blood on your hands for helping somebody stay offended. You get involved in that, you are in a very dangerous and a very bad place, brothers and sisters. I've been preaching to you for seven years. I'm trying my best to preach the Bible. I'm trying my best to do it as best I can. But I do tell you this, and I beg to you that today, don't get caught up in people's junk. If they're the kind of people that bring junk, avoid them. If you've given them truth, they can't get it, avoid them. Because if you ain't careful, that trap will get you. Because that's exactly what the devil wants. Yeah, but I don't go to the bars, I don't, I don't do it. doesn't matter. We're talking about something that's so serious that people usually don't get it. For pastors to hold on to everyone who comes through their doors, they will eventually have to compromise truth. For some, they may not want to have the hard conversation with someone who is a big giver. I don't have that to worry about because I have a clue what you give. We're getting the bills paid, that's all I'm worried about. You know what the Bible teaches, you know what this church teaches, and the rest of it is between you and the Lord. He told you to pay your tithes whether you like Ken or not. He ain't. Well, you just let him deal with me, and I'll let him deal with you, and we'll just move on. Does that work? Because that's a place we can get offended with a quickness. For some, it's someone who's been in the church a very long time. Now, on the job that I was at, whenever you're on the job for a long time, they call that seniority. Today, we sit and apply it to the younger generation in the society that we have, and we call it something called entitlement. Let me ask you a question. Has entitlement creeped into the churches? Do you or I have seniority because we've done give, you know, $100,000 in the last 70 years in tithes? And we worked ourselves to this. Are we entitled to anything? What about the people in the, in the book of faith that they never did get to see the promise, but they hung in there with Jesus? Amen? You see, we don't have the right to be offended. And when pastors go down that road, that that's the thing that marks what they're going to do. Leave from it, pray for them, try to help them, do something. But that's not what runs us, and that's what happens many times. The sense of entitlement is rampant in our world today, folks. It's rampant outside of the church, and it's very rampant inside the church. We are entitled to absolutely nothing. We have been freely given forgiveness and redemption and the blood of Jesus for our sins and we get to go to heaven because of that and we have the word of God and we have people that are going to study and do everything that they can no matter what to give truth so that the truth will set us free and we can grow but there are some out there they don't care about that they want to keep you happy keep your checkbook coming all that kind of stuff as I said pray for me over the next several months please Either way, a minister stands to lose his God-given anointing and right to minister to the flock if he compromises the truth. 1 Samuel 16 and 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you. 
to Jesse, Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. He was mourning over Saul. Why? Because Saul was the guy that came in to be king. God led him down that road. Why in the world did Saul get rejected by God? Disobedience. To disobey God is to say, I don't believe in God. He disobeyed God. Saul, who was a good friend of his, he'd help him grow up as the king. He had been, he'd been, they'd counseled together. He had been talking to him. He had been praying. He'd been giving him everything that God had been giving him to do until Saul got disobedient and it was working on Samuel. And God says, buddy, it's time to get over it. If you stay there and mourn over the one that I have rejected, you're going to go nowhere. So you fill your corn with oil, you have a fresh anointing, and you minister how I tell you to minister. You go where I tell you to go. You go when I tell you to go. You give what I tell you to give, and it's going to be okay. Amen? So had Samuel not listened to the counsel of God, then the books of First and Second Samuel would have ended up much differently. David would have still become king, but Samuel wouldn't have had no part of it because he, he then would have been disobeying God. You see, he would have joined in with Saul's offense. Thank God he was smart enough to listen to God. He had a choice. God didn't make him do anything. He told him what to do. He didn't make him do anything. Jesus offended those in his hometown. I'm going to read these real quick. Matthew 13 and 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the, uh, his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas and his sisters? Are they not with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Jesus was preaching truth to them and they couldn't get it. They didn't want to get it. They didn't want it in their hearts. You know, it made, it made, it made Pharisee pastor thus and such look bad. It doesn't matter about Pharisee pastors less and such. What matters is what the truth says, what the Word of God has to say. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's where you get set free. But it set them apart. And so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. They couldn't see that God had changed him. They couldn't see that he was the Son of God. And when that anointing came, when he was in the wilderness, and it was time now to go minister, they got to see who Jesus was, and they couldn't handle it. No, we saw him driving nails. We saw him playing kickball. They saw all these things and said, no, how do you have this? Because this is totally different from what we've now heard. Now, he did not do many, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Disobedience. You see, if you're living in your life and you're wondering, well, God's not answering, let the Holy Ghost do His work inside of your life and let Him point out some things that needs to be changed and submit. I know what happens. We go seeking other people's opinion. I wonder what they think about it. You got a Bible and you got knees that you can get down on and pray. Talk to God. Let the Holy Ghost do the ministry. The Bible says he will teach you all things. Because then we can find somebody that's going to help us stay in an, offensive, an offended state. 
Jesus offended his own family members when he called the twelve. In Mark chapter 3, verse 21, But when his own people heard this, they went out and laid hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. He went and got this bunch of rabble-rousers, and they're going to start a church. You've got to be kidding me. They don't dress right. They don't, man, they don't look right. Ain't nothing right about them. They're a bunch of Galileans. They can't even read. And they said, man, he's mad. Maybe they were mad because they didn't get picked. Jesus, we grew up in your house, man. We grew up together. Come on, we, we sat at the table had beans and cornbread together. Oh, but my father said to pick them. Oh, really? Well, we know James got over because he became the leader of the church after Jesus was crucified. He got past it. In Mark 3.31, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside they sent calling him, and a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whosoever does the will of God is my, mother, is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see that? Whoever does the will of God. Here's a hint. You got somebody living in a pity party wanting you to jump in their boat with them, don't get it because it's got holes and it's sinking. You know, they didn't believe that the Titanic was going to sink. Or did they? They advertised that it was unsinkable. I got two questions for you. Why was there a guy sitting up there looking for icebergs if they thought it was impenetrable? And the second question is why do they have lifeboats? If it can't sink, you don't need neither of the two. They flapped their gums. They didn't believe it for a minute. Mm. Jesus offended his own staff. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. You remember when he said, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood? You can't have no part in me. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Verse 66. Now let's go to verse 67. Here's what Jesus did. Now whenever those guys left, however how many of them it was, he didn't throw up his hands and start wringing his hands and looking at everybody and saying, Oh no, the ministry is falling apart. You guys ain't leaving too, are you? Now what did Jesus do? Are you leaving too? It's your choice. Do we want Peter and Paul and Jesus and those guys to minister to us? Do we want the Holy Ghost to minister to us? That's exactly who done the work through Jesus, right? The Holy Ghost is His Spirit. And that's how He's going to do it. He won't change. He won't change. If offense comes from you out of the message today, talk with Jesus. Come talk with me. We'll talk with Him together. I don't want to see anybody fall. But don't think for a minute I'm going to change the truth to make you feel better. Not going to happen. And I don't mean that to be boastful or anything like that. I answer to him. I'm going to follow him as best I can, and you should too. Amen. Jesus was offended his close friends. You remember when Lazarus died? They sent word to Jesus and said, hey, your best friend is sick. Get over here now. He stayed for two more days. He got there, he was dead. 
Who was offended? Mary and Martha. Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. They didn't really know who Jesus was. They knew he could have, that he could do the healing part. They didn't have a clue that he could raise the man from the dead. If you would have been here, they're mad at Jesus. They're mad at God because God didn't do what they said when they said, and they thought we're close friends, and therefore we get special attention. Can I tell you something right now? You want you to look around, look in the mirror when you go home, and understand and know this. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. He don't love you no more than he loves you. He don't love you no more than he loves you. He is no respecter of persons. And what's in the book, it can happen now. Amen. It can happen now. See, Jesus was following the Spirit that day because he needed to show people something. Poor Lazarus had to die twice. All for the glory of God. He was following the Spirit. I don't know if he knew what was coming. I do know this. He prayed. He said, Father, let your son be glorified in this. I look at it. He said, I trusted you and I still trust you. Let's do something. And then the Spirit spoke to him. He said, take away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus all bundled up. He comes out. They unwrap him. And he's fine as frogs there, y'all. He's fine. Why? Because Jesus was following the Spirit, even with his close friends. 1 Peter 4 and 1, and I'm done. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Folks, fleshly desires are the breeding ground for offense. Let me say that again. Fleshly desires are the breeding ground for offense. When you live for the will of God, you will not... Let me say this, when you live for the will of God, you will not please men. They may get offended at you, now they're sitting with God. Here's what you do. When that offense comes, he told us that we try to do everything we can to seek forgiveness, right? See, when you follow the will of God, you're going to suffer in this flesh. Danny, you're going to suffer in this flesh. You're a musician. That's what God's called you to do. Get over it. You're going to suffer in this flesh. Serve Jesus. Brother Willie, you're teaching. Brother Charlie, serve Jesus because you're going to suffer in this flesh when you serve him because everybody ain't going to be happy with you. You ain't always going to do it right. You ain't always going to do it how they want it done. You follow the will of God. You follow the Spirit of God. And that's how you grow, people. The Bible says that Jesus said, And I, if I will be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all people to me. Our job is to lift Jesus up. This is not a place for me to have a, a hoedown and for me to be the guy that everybody's looking to to perform for you. I'm not going to perform. I'm going to lift Jesus up. And if we lift Jesus up, he will draw all men to us. If we as a church will lift Jesus up, he will draw all men to us. He will tell them this. You know, I, we gave this message. You know somebody needs to hear it. 
I hope you was taking notes because now you've been given something to take to somebody. You have a responsibility now as a believer. This ain't so we get to come here. We like the edifying part of church, right? Oh, we feel good. No, sometimes it gets a little tight. Sometimes it gets a little tough. So we get our instructions, and then we're to take it out to the world. Then we're to take it out to our brothers and sisters because, you see, people get offended. They get called from the herd. When you get called from the herd, you're you're a prime candidate for the devil to get a hold of you. And the next offense will come easier and easier and easier, and you can go to a million churches over the lifetime, and you're still going to be offended if you don't deal with it now, if it don't get dealt with. So we're going to have our prayer time. I wanted to be done earlier this morning, but I didn't make it before 12. I've made a determination that over the next five months, if I give you guys back 15 minutes every Sunday, and I'm not going to be here on Christmas, I probably will be pretty close to paying you back all the overtime that you had to put in over the last seven years. And then we walk away even. Either way, it's Thanksgiving, folks. How can you sit around your table with your family with turkey on the table and be thankful? We'll always be thankful for our stuff, cars, houses, all this stuff, bank accounts, whatever. Then we're thankful for our family. Sometimes I set it in the order that it actually comes because it's what's sitting in the heart. But I need to ask you a question this morning. How can you truly be thankful at your Thanksgiving dinner with bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart that's never been repented of? See, repenting means you go the opposite way. You don't just ask God for forgiveness. You actually start doing different. I got to work on it. You got to work on it. We all got to work on it. But how can we truly be thankful when we're sitting with a mark on us and God says, okay, I've been giving you 10 years to get over this. And God may be sitting there saying, I'm giving you 25 more years. But if you don't, at the end of the day, if you don't forgive me in your trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Can I ask you a question what your opinion is? Where would that leave you? Study the scriptures yourself. I'm going to walk and I'm going to teach. If you've got unrepentant and unforgiving sin, unforgiveness is one of them because then we live in bitterness and we don't deal with it. And he's done, made known to us now how to deal with it. He showed us how over the last several weeks. It might not be that heaven's going to be our home if we carry that stuff in us. And so I asked you, Today, over the next several days, coming upon Thanksgiving, call upon God. You know, he, he can help you right today. He can help you today to walk out of here without a bit of unforgiveness sitting on your heart. Do you believe that? I want to see your hands if you believe that. If you don't raise your hand, I don't guess you believe it. If you let him. But we got to do the book. We got to do it his way. So come and pray this morning. Maybe there's somebody you need to go to over the Thanksgiving holiday. I've got some people I got to talk to. Ken does. And I'm going to seek forgiveness. And if they give me forgiveness, good. If they don't, I've been set free. I'm no longer in the trap, but they still are. Even though I might have been the one that caused the offense. If they stay in the trap, 
That's their fault because the word tells you different. You've got to get out of it. Amen? Come and pray this morning. And let the Holy Ghost do what he is dying to do for you this morning. Walk away from here without offense in your heart. It's the last time I'm speaking on it unless the Lord tells me different, but this is it. I thought what an appropriate time for us to finish up at Thanksgiving. I can't sit at my Thanksgiving table and be thankful knowing that I've got a mark with God on my heart. Amen. Join me in prayer, if you will, because I'm going to the altar.